Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are back. Second half of our post-fight coverage here on MMAfighting.com. After UFC 279, it is officially in the books. Nathan Diaz closes the show with a fourth-round submission. And then, if you were joining us the entire time, you watched just an outstanding final post-fight press conference. We're here to recap all that happened tonight in Las Vegas. It's been a crazy fight week, one of the craziest we've ever seen. In the end, we got probably the fights we should have had in the first place, and Nate Diaz leaves and goes out on his final fight of his UFC contract with a submission victory over Tony Ferguson. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck. We will be joined by Jed Mishu and the Prince of Positivity, Alexander K. Lee. You can see them right there. But first, let us turn our attention to the boots on the ground. There he is, the great, legendary Jose Young's. Jose, the card is over. We just heard Nate Diaz provide just so much entertainment, roasting as many people as possible, not taking himself too seriously. He got water in his shoe, all of that. Is this, with the fight, the finish, the post-fight presser, is this about as good as it could have gone for, for Nate Diaz on this, this final trip to the Octagon as a UFC fighter, at least for now? Yeah, 100%. I mean... Uh, first, you needed to win, obviously. That's the big one. Uh, and then, obviously, beat, beat winning against Tony Ferguson by submission, getting the flex to the crowd, getting the future pop. This was... Nate, Nate beat the UFC. That's that's as best as I can describe it. He was put out to, there to be a sacrificial lamb to put, uh, in pro wrestling terms, to put Hamzat over. Didn't end up fighting Hamzat. Probably got paid a whole bunch more money to fight Tony Ferguson. Goes out on a win to end his UFC contract to do whatever he wants. Life's good for Nate Diaz. He beat the UFC. His $2,000 Travis Scott shoes are soaking wet, though. That's a little unfortunate, but yeah, best case scenario. Absolutely, and just to just to see it all play out the the way that it did, and the shifting of the fights. No longer him fighting Hamza Chimaev. Are you feeling just so much better in a in a way as a fan and as a, as a journalist of the sport who's been covering these guys, especially Nate and Tony, for so long to see these guys get this opportunity to see them have the fight that probably should have happened in the first place? Was it just a different feeling watching the main events as opposed to other main events we had this year where there's heat and there's tension? This one was just we could just sit back, relax, and just watch two legends, two OGs go out there and just punch each other in the face and not a lot of pressure i feel like the fight itself like the actual fight between tony ferguson and nate diaz was like the fifth from on the totem pole from like storylines like the actual fight no one's talking about it's nate's contract the hamzat tomfoolery all the the shuffling yes so i get what you're trying to say there's no like heat between tony and nate but the actual fight no one cared about all the storylines are nate leaving and hamzat what he would have done no one's been like hey nate that's that 
submission you'd like break that down were you expecting tony to shoot for a takedown no literally none of that it's very bizarre in the sense that i feel like this fight happened and nobody really cares about the actual fight it's all the storylines that come out after it's not like oh tony it's not like when dustin and connor fought and connor got knocked out or talking about how he looked in the first round going into the second round none of that the x's and o's of this fight no one cares about it's very strange i get it still very yeah. strange feeling yeah all the main event tension was on the co-main event between Hamza Chimaev and Kevin Holland and then we just the tension just alleviated and then we just got to sit back and just kind of enjoy a main event for a different way so let's talk about Hamza Chimaev you could feel however you want to feel about this man and how professional or unprofessional he was throughout the week and everything that happened but he he went out there and he put it on Kevin Holland's that was some scary stuff, uber impressive. The guy's an absolute monster. What did you make of Shamaya's performance? You may have expected him to go out there and beat Kevin Holland, maybe finish him, but to see him just ragdoll Kevin like that, Kevin didn't land a single strike on him. Was this the kind of performance you were expecting, or were you even surprised at all by this? Mm, I'm surprised he submitted him in the way he did. I thought he would. I guess, so I guess that I'm surprised about. I thought he would probably finish Kevin. Like either hurting him on the feet, hurting him on the ground with ground and pound or whatever. Um, but I wasn't, I was surprised it was submission. But I'm not surprised in the violence and the ferocity and the incredible chain wrestling that Habib, Habib, Hamzat did. It was, yeah, Hamzat's a scary dude and he probably would have folded Nate in half and ate him. <laughs> what did you, you were in the room with Hamza for this, for the post fight press conference. What did you make of the demeanor? It's almost like the, the mask came off for a little bit. The war Hamza kind of went to the back burner a little bit. He did kind of get dark at moments, but for the most part, kind of opened up a, a little bit more. It was a, it was a different kind of look that we've seen from him the rest of the week. So what did you make of Hamza's reaction to the fight and, and everything that transpired this week after the card ended? Hold on, Mark wanted to say hi. The famous, oh, the Mark. famous Mark Ramondi that, that one slept on Nate Diaz's couch. Trap House Ramondi. Did more than Stay away from Jose. Stay away from him. Thanks. Yeah, they it's don't a bad want bad influence. Me. They don't, they don't want yeah. to influence me. I built MMAfighting.com. Oh, okay. I am MMA. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Hey, tell him to stay away anyway. from the wacky tobacco. Tell him to stay away from the wacky tobacco. Yes. The electric lettuce is anyway. bad, Mark. Oh. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying, Mike? What was what was, what was Hamza like? He looked real angry. He looked real annoyed. Uh, there are reporters in here that don't like asking Hamza questions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mark, get out of here. <laughs> he's so. He's right here. I know you're famous right now, Mark. But come on. <laughs> no. So who won the social blast today? We're gonna get that update from from Jed Bishu in a little in a little while. We'll open it up and let him give his his Jed Bishu review. But I know you're gonna get out of here. I'm sorry. Uh, what 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 else what else stuck out to you? What outside of the shuffle up and the top three fights and everything was it? Arini Aldana's very unique finish. What, what was the thing that stood out to you the most tonight? Uh, I mean. I might have a crush on Chris Barnett, like that much. That dude's a wild man. Like that was one of the most fun fights I've ever watched. Like while it was, the first round was happening, I was like, I felt really bad considering like everything that happened with Chris Barnett's personal life with his fiance and everything. And I was like, oh, this isn't great. Uh, and then the fact, the way that he pulled that off, it's 
that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, and the crowd was really hyped. It's unfortunate he missed weight because he didn't get that fight of the night, but Dana White did say he would obviously compensate him. Uh, real weird that Danielle Wolf just looks like she had never, I don't know, like, it just, someone was off about that fight. It was real well, I'm like, is, is, was CM Punk better at MMA than Danielle Wolf? That's what I, that's a legitimate question I had after that fight. Uh, and then obviously, of course, he ran Aldana and knocking out Macy Chase, and I don't, no one knew what happened in the back. Everyone was like, did she break her? Did she, like, fall down? She blow her knee out, whatever. And then when we finally saw it, we were like, whoa, never going to see that ever again, I would imagine. But, yeah, like, a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun stuff on this card. It was uh, it was slow at first. At least Reed was a really fun interview. Uh, that fight was fine. But, yeah, it was it was a good it was a good fight card. I, enjoy, I, I, I enjoyed covering this fight card. A lot of fun storylines. A lot of interesting people. Yes, and it's probably one you'll never forget when Jose Youngs writes an autobiography about his, his career covering MMA. I believe there will be multiple chapters on this UFC 279 fight oh, week and everything man. that went down. I, I, we were all talking. I've never been more exhausted from a fight week in my life. Like, this was just such an exa mentally exhausting fight week. Like, when stuff happens, you just have to be on 24-7 in case something happens. It was exhausting, but it was... Without it, after two outside of 223, which is still probably the craziest fight week I've ever been a part of, this was right up there. Well, get some rest, Jose. You deserve it. Well done, as always. You can play the applause sound effect, Casey. He deserves I wanna, it. I do, do want to give a shout out to, well, not a shout out, but we all cover events in Las Vegas a lot. We all know the city pretty well, and uh, Jeff German, I'm sure you guys heard was a one of the best journalists this city has ever seen covering the mob and business and crime and everything and he was killed outside of his house for essentially just being a really good reporter so we lost a really 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 important journalist and it just sucks and i feel just fucking i feel awful for his family so anyway i wanted to say that because we lost a yeah. good one well said my man uh Appreciate you saying that. Appreciate all the hard work this week. And uh, thank you very much for the great coverage and safe travels home, my man. Hasta luego, guys. There we go. There's Jose Youngs. He will be, we'll probably see him in Arizona for the Jake Paul Anderson Silva press conference. They're going back to back. I think they're in Cali one day and then they go to, to Phoenix or Glendale the next day. And I believe we'll have Jose out there uh, and maybe Shaheen as well. Now we have Jed Mishu. We have Alexander Kaylee. Do we want to do social glove? We'll, we'll save the social gloves review for later, but Jed. Whenever you want to do it, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for after we, we talk about some of the storylines and go to the piece. But Jed, did you think we, we would, like four days ago, did you think that we'd be feeling the way that we feel after this card? No, because four days ago, this card was going to be sanctioned murder. Like that's just what was going to happen. And I feel incredibly confident that all of our bad vibes were the most spot on like everybody was right we were all totally right about what was gonna happen and then for once for once in their lives the mma gods gave us something instead of taking something away like they did with tony and habib a thousand times or any of the other numerous things that they have stolen from us the mma gods gave us a gift a beautiful gift because nate diaz walks in the light I do not know how this man has managed to pull off like 
two of the biggest heists in UFC history functionally <laughs> by coming in on short notice and tapping Conor McGregor and then this whole thing just smelling like roses. There's no world in which he was supposed to – it was designed for him to to look bad and go out on a loss and get over the next guy. And somehow he comes out looking the best he has in years. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable and incredible and it all of it rules. And so thank you, MMA gods. Uh, the next time you take a really dope fight from us because some dude steps on a wire backstage or whatever, I won't even be mad because you gave us this one. Well said. AK, you are the Prince of Positivity. I'm sure you're feeling very positive right now. What did you think of the mate? What did you think of the fight? What did you think of the fight? Did I mean again, we talked about this on the on the press conference stream. There's two there were two fences here. There are two sides. There was one that was just like, this is just fun. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. This is how we felt when Mike Tyson boxed Roy Jones Jr. It's just cool. Guys are playing the greatest hits. They're out there doing what they do, and this is just kind of fun. And then on the other side, it's the oh, how dare you put on this main event? This is horrible. These guys are past their prime, not having any fun with it at all. What did you think? What would you like to say about this fight? Uh- First off, let me say apologies to anyone that was expecting uh, Shaheen Al-Shadi. I know you signed off on the uh, post-fight press conference show. Uh, but uh, listen, this is one last fight week twist. You know what? <laughs> what the, you couldn't cap off UFC 279 fight week without one one other late substitution. So here I am. Um, uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, Shaheen had to be called away for something. So I, I am here. Yeah, listen, I love the main events. I thought it was a great idea on paper. I was kind of saying on some of the you know pre-fight shows we were doing like – Forget about records. Forget about, oh, a main event with no, like it's not for a title shot. It has no, obviously no title implications. These guys are, are veterans. They're probably a bit past their prime. But the most important thing is, do you want to see these two fight? Do you want to see, did, did you ever want to see Nate Diaz fight Tony Ferguson? And we're not talking about this, like they're not like in their 40s and 50s. They're not like so far um, past their like glory days that like they're not great fighters. If you watch the fight, you saw how good these two guys still are. Can they compete with the Kamzat Shamayevs of the division anymore? Uh, no, of course not. You know, can can Tony Ferguson compete with the you know with the the, the I don't know the Benil Dariushes and the and the Charles Oliveras? No, they can't. Okay, and that's fine. But fighting is supposed to be again about combat sports. Was just always about putting two guys who are who are fun fighters and and wanting to see who's better. And that that's that's what Nate Diaz and, and Tony Ferguson epitomize. So listen, there's forty. 50 events a year that's just talking about the ufc there's also one championship belt or pfl if you want to see fights with championship stakes and clear like oh what does this fight mean we we see that every other event of the year it's okay to have an event even a pay-per-view which is just literally a fun fight between two guys who always want to see fight each other as for how it unfolded i i thought it was really fun super fun fight if you're a fan of nate diaz's antics and tony ferguson's antics you loved it if you're not, probably didn't change your mind. You probably were a little exhausted uh, in the third when Diaz started like t- talking to people outside the cage. Uh, Ferguson was <laughs> was uh, Ferguson was trying to taunt him to start, hey, come back here and like you know flopping onto his back. If you hate that stuff, this fight didn't change your mind. But if you're a fan, man, it's like I, I think as Jed said, this this is like the greatest hits. And maybe a few new wrinkles here and there too. And again, and two guys who are comparing preparing for very 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 different fights. Um, Diaz said after I was preparing for wrestling, man, I was doing a full wrestling camp. So kind of just had to figure out the striking on the fly. Not that it's that difficult for him. Tony Ferguson wasn't even preparing for a five round fight. 
Um, and he, Li Jinglang, a very different opponent than Nate Diaz. So, you know, these guys had to had to it was it was almost like jazz. You know, they didn't even have a set list. We said the greatest hits. They didn't have a set list. They went up there. They were doing the Spinal Tap uh, County Fair uh, Jazz Odyssey. And it was fantastic. It was fantastic for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Again, if you didn't like it going in, the result, how it unfolded, probably didn't change your mind. But I think for a lot of us who uh, who had, um, you know, placed our expectations in, 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 the, right, in the right way, um, I think it landed perfectly. And, yeah, in the end... Could not have worked out better for the UFC. Um, I'm sure they would love to be able to bring Nate Diaz back now. But even him saying, well, I'm not not coming back to the UFC um, is some kind of victory. And also going out with a, a post-fight speech where he's thanking the UFC, praising the UFC. Really, what what more could you have asked for um, from a company perspective, from a fan perspective? It was it was a very solid uh, solid main card. They did Let a that be a job. lesson. <clears throat> Let that be a lesson to you kids out there. Don't burn bridges when you yes. leave a job. Yep. Because you never know when you want to yep. come back to that job for a million dollar paid hey in two years after you boxed Jake Paul and fought yes. Conor McGregor outside the confines of the <laughs> UFC. That was the most professional thing that's maybe ever happened, literally in the sport of MMA. Yeah, yeah play play the cool guy, that, play the rebel. Yeah, play the cool guy, play the rebel all you want, but but when it's time for to, to talk brass tacks, time to talk dollars and cents, be sensible. Be sensible. You don't, you don't need to ride. We've seen a lot of people in MMA ride gimmicks a little too far and, uh, and to their detriment. We'll, we'll see what happens with Hamza. Again, uh, if you we're ask still, New York, we'll talk we're about seeing Hamza. it right now. We'll see. I mean, if you yeah. ask New York Rick, it's all, it's, all, it's all fun and games for Hamza. It's only up, uh, onward and upward. But I do think well, – I, mean, I know we'll talk about Hamza in a bit. But um, I do think there may have been some, uh, some damage done to the old reputation there. But we'll see. We're going to get to Hamza real quick. I guess the the, the other real interesting storyline to come out of this fight, who knows what's going to happen with Tony Ferguson. Props to him for stepping up. I'm glad he got his moment. But Jed, as AK mentioned, he went on a high note. He was George Costanza. He said everything he needed to say. He got out of there. He left a good taste in everybody's mouth. He ain't coming back for a million-dollar payday. He's going to come back for about a $5 million payday. And I think after how he handled himself throughout this fight week and after the win – they will gladly give it to him. So Nate has not closed the door on a return. He, he even said, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to show these fighters like Conor McGregor how to do it in another sport or whether it's boxing or kickboxing or jujitsu. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to win that UFC title, the greatest title in sports. Was this the last UFC fight in your eyes? Or do you think he comes back? Do you think we'll see him fight in the UFC again? Mm, how old is he? 37? Um, I think it's I think it's last Uh, I think he's opened the door and it wouldn't I wouldn't you know it's probably close to pick him odds right like I he's we all know why he's leaving he is going to go box Jake Paul like that is the next thing that happens and that will happen sometime next year right early-ish to maybe the summer of next year depending on how long negotiations take etc I have long said that both he and Conor McGregor know the score Based on some tweets from Connor today, it seems like I was not wrong in that and that, you know, Nate's going to busy himself with Jake Paul. Connor's going to finally get back, get healthy, fight out his contract, at which point they're going to rematch the three match outside the confines of the UFC so they can take the lion's share of the, of the money made. And then once that's over, then, yeah, I there's a world where Nate can come back because I just don't. 
know what other fight opportunities. I mean, he will have some, certainly. He's Nate Diaz. Nothing jumps off the page at me right now except for maybe like a Logan Paul thing. And so I could see if he goes, especially if he either beats Jake Paul, which I don't think he will, or beats Connor in an outside trilogy, they bring him back and maybe, hell, they'll just run him into a title shot because why not? Maybe by that time, Hamzat's a welterweight champion and you do it, he comes back for a title shot there because that's some juice you try and put to it or whatever. But I think it's just as likely that he gets out of the UFC and realizes I can make more money doing other stuff and I can also do a lot of other stuff. He's got a fight promotion, he's got all this other stuff going on. So I lean towards that's the last time we see him in the octagon, but it won't totally shock me if he does come back. Where is your gauge at, AK? Was that the last Nate Diaz fight in the UFC? No, he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like 60-40 on it now. Um, I don't know how I felt. I, I'm having trouble kind of recalling how I felt before. Probably, I st- you know, I've been saying it's possible. I was saying um, on the pre-fight shows, like, there's a reason we're, like, sort of couching so many of the, the articles and headlines that we uh, write about um, Nate Diaz, uh, his, his final fight with possibly, likely, uh, we could never, you know, obviously for, for, like, dramatic purposes, we like saying it's final, you know, final. But... This is the fight business. Um, we did say he's 37 years old, but he stays in amazing shape. I mean, he's probably, let me put it this way, four years from now, he's one of those guys, he's probably going to look like he does, when he's 41, he'll probably look like he did when he's, I don't know, 35, 34. Um, kind of like Andrew Silva. Andrew Silva's what, um, 44 now? 45? Andrew Silva's up there. He kind of looks like he did a decade ago, though, right? He just he, he looks like the same guy. I think it might have that same effect with uh, Nate Diaz. So yeah, be smart, make your money outside the UFC. Um Take all the big fights you can, Jake Paul, Conor McGregor, whoever it may be. And then, uh, you know, and then when it's time to come home, quote unquote, the home that he has called anyway for the last 15 years, uh, he, he, he can do so. And there'll be fun fights. Or again, if his name is big enough, they throw him right into a title opportunity against whoever may be holding the belt at that time. Um, he'll be back. I, I don't think the Nate Diaz and, uh, and UFC story is over. And uh, I'm sure a lot of fans will be happy to hear that. Can I just say that I really hope he Uh, doesn't come back? hmm. I'm with (laughs) you. This is – we talk about it kind of a lot, especially lately with his many retirements. Nobody gets out of this game in good – like nobody gets out of this game in good condition. I'm not even saying Nate's getting out in good condition. Like he's suffered a lot over the course of the sport. But there are so few happy retirements. Like genuinely think of what are the happy retirements – it, it's George St. Pierre, and then number two is who? Well, Conrad. I, well, I, <laughs> sure. I guess to some extent, though, most people don't even know that Cole Conrad was a thing, but yes, but like there just aren't any of them. Like for the longest time, Chris Lytle was the only guy who was like, hey, he got out well. He went out on a win. He did it, what he did do. Like this is a good retirement especially given that it was supposed to be the worst exit possible. Like if he comes back, there's, I don't know for what, because he's not going to win a belt if he comes back. And like, there could be some fun fights, but by the time he comes back, he will be really pushing 40 with a lot of fight miles on him and a ton of money in the bank. I would prefer that he go get the bag from Jake Paul, get the bag with Connor 
maybe get one more bag outside the UFC and then stick with his own fight promotion or do triathlons or whatever, or sell weed, whatever it is that he wants to be doing that doesn't involve him taking more traumatic brain injury because he did it. He won the game. There are like three people in the history of the sport who have done have been more successful than him. Like he has won the game. I would like him to leave with all of his faculties. Yeah, I'm with you. You just you, you can't go on on a higher note. I I don't think at this point. I like, cannot this is... structure a way for him to go out better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, coming back for Connor makes no sense because, like you have already laid out, and you've been laying out yeah. for a long time. Connor's gonna be his UFC contract's gonna be done soon as well, and then just do it and make all the money when you have the third fight. Do it co-promotion mcgregor sports entertainment and, and fighting that and do they the both thing. know that they are not they stupid people when it comes to business both of them are extremely aware and that's absolutely what's going to happen and they're gonna make all the money and then they don't need to fight anymore so stop fighting don't put your head through trauma just retire and smoke weed and sell weed and you know teach kids jujitsu and do the things you love yeah, the most recent other one, uh, like this is an actual retirement, but going out on a pretty high note, especially losing a fight, was Luke Rockhold. I mean, that was like, you would have loved to have win, but, you know, losing a yeah. fight and then... See, that's, that's okay, but he still lost the fight. Right, but still he went out about as good as you could get. Like a hard-fought fight, People, things people were saying about you heading into the fight, you answered a lot of those questions at altitude, and then you went out, had a great fight week, made a lot of headlines, and then you didn't win the fight, but you still went out at the right time. And honestly, like, we left that Luke Rockhold fight being like, listen, if you want to come back for one more, like, let's go. Like, we'll watch the hell out of you. But at the same time, we're like, you know what? Good call. This is about as big of a moral victory as you can get heading out the door. I think the right time is the correct way to describe it. Like, sure, Nate can continue fighting. And if he needs the money, you know, to come back to the UFC and do it, it's a profession. I understand it's prize fighting. But this is clearly the right time to be done with the UFC and with non-Conor McGregor MMA. For Like, this is very obviously the time to exit that. Completely agree. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Let's move on to the man of the week, Hamzat Shemaev. Jed, you have been talking about this man for a while. This was your guy. You were going to, there were talks about number one at welterweight. You thought at one point he was going to win three belts. He was going to win welterweight, middleweight, and light heavyweight. And who knows? Maybe there's a world where that does happen. But we both talked about it on the People's Pre-Fight Show. I talked about it on the preview show. We felt like the way this week has gone the way the MMA gods have decided to to shine lights upon things, that this was a setup for Hamza Chemaev to have a great start, look good, and then run out of steam, and Kevin Holland gets this massive win, and he goes on to fight for the welterweight title. 
that did not happen. The MA gods decided, listen, we can't we can't give you everything. We gotta we gotta keep it real at some point. And Hamza Shemaev, love him or hate him, no matter how you feel about him this week, Jed, this guy is a friggin' killer. That was unreal. I mean, just sitting there watching it, and Kevin Holland is doing everything in his power to try to get some sort of separation from this man, and he couldn't do it. Like, Kevin Holland, there is, I just, there's nothing he could do. That must have been the most frustrating thing in the world for him, where he's like, all right, I'm getting out of this. Nope. And then you have to realize at some point that you just got no chance here. What did you think of Hamzat Shemaya's performance? Is, is this... We we said like this fight could end real quick or Kevin could do it, but did you expect this if Hamza was going to win? He was just going to do that. Kevin wouldn't land a single strike. This would be non-competitive. I will preface everything by just coming out and saying, hand up. I was wrong. Like I think I was doing a little bit of wish casting in there, but uh, super wrong. <laughs> Couldn't have been more incorrect on my fight prediction. Uh it is not surprising to me that he did this. It is not what I thought would happen because I thought he was going to let his ego control him a little bit more, try and just slug it out with Kevin for a little bit. Thought Kevin could maybe put up a little bit more of a defense on the ground, but none of that was the case. Apparently uh, you have to ride the fine line Gilbert Burns did of dragging him into a brawl by making it fun because if you piss this dude off, he is going to go about the most hyper-efficient way of beating the shit out of you as possible. Um, there ain't nothing else. That, he's the best welterweight on the planet. And that's, that's I know that a lot of people are going to hate that. I'm sure many people in the comments are going to be flaming the hell out of me for it. Most of the people on our staff are going to be mad because he was the best 180-pounder on the planet. Uh, sure, all those things, that's fine, but... Uh, that we know that dude can make weight. He didn't make it this time. I was very clear. I thought that he just wasn't giving a shit. Um, and I still think that he came into this fight week not being focused or prepared or, or anything because he thought he could walk through Nate. And yeah, apparently he damn sure could have. Uh, but push comes to shove, firmly believe he can make 170. And I don't see a human being alive who can make 170 pounds. And is it going to fall under the windstorm that is him? Like he's, we've never seen him. We've, we have never seen him in MMA. And that's just the facts. You guys can hate him and a lot of people will. And that's totally okay. I'm not even saying that I like him as a person or what he's done. He has blanked. And when I say blanked, I mean like legitimately blanked. They have, Kevin Holland did nothing. Actually statistically did zero things. Landed and attempted zero strikes did nothing but get run over. And this is not the first time he's done that. I think Kevin Holland is a top 10 welterweight. I also think Lee Zhang Ling is like a top 15, 20 welterweight. He did it to them both. He is doing this. Nobody has ever done this. The closest thing that's happened is Francis Ngannou kept blowing people's heads off in 20 seconds. He still at least got hit back. Like this, this dude is something we've never seen. Like, we just have never seen it. He is the best fighter in the world at 170 pounds. Really good chance he is also the best fighter in the world at 185 pounds. And I, that's, I, it all sucks. Everything about this week sucks. 
but it's that's the truth, man. I don't know how else to put it. AK, you are the prince of positivity. But if there's one thing that I know from my best friend that will not bring out any positivity from you is not just a weight miss, but a big weight miss, and then being unapologetic about said big weight miss. Jed has said what he has said, best welterweight in the world. Are you willing to say the same thing, especially from a guy who just missed weight by seven and a half pounds? I mean, I mean, no, definitely not. Uh, I, I can't do it. And, and even then, even even given what we've seen with Shmaev, even if he had made weight, um, I'm not ready to necessarily say he's better than Kamar Usman, better than Leon Edwards. Obviously, I would, I would, if I were a betting man, if I had to put money on it, I would pick Shmaev over both of them. But I'm also someone who's like, you know, I, I need to, I, I think you, I still believe in fighting your way up uh, as far as rankings go. But yeah, hard, hard to dispute. Um, the weight cut, the weight thing, did really bother me because besides the insane amount it did feel like he was aware that there was a 180 pound catchweight bout on there with kevin holland and dan rodriguez him or his team or someone um and i'm not calling conspiracy i know there's a lot of um questions of like oh did the ufc somehow somehow orchestrate this last minute change and i'm like i'm not a fan of that theory only because it just what the hoops that they would have to jump through or force these guys to jump through or make it look like they're jumping through them. I don't know if it, if it would serve its purpose. It did, it did create some sort of buzz over the last 48 hours. If there's no question, then if it had just originally been Nate Diaz Ferguson, Shamaya Holland and um, Rodriguez Lee, no, no question. If, if that had been the original booking, uh, it would have been a, a better viewed like peer review, you know, back when it was booked, but you still would have had people going like, Oh, no title fight. Diaz Ferguson's for nothing, you know, this still doesn't look like a strong pay-per-view. So the fact that it fell into this um, was made it better received. That's what I think. I'm just, maybe I'm just speaking for myself and uh, some of the reactions I've seen on social media, but I do think the publicity helped, but I still don't think that they, it was helped to the point like that they would orchestrate such a thing. But back to Shemaev, um, yeah, I, I think he was aware that even if he missed, he's like, oh, they will, they will find a fight for me. Like I'm such a big deal that they won't take me off the card. Um, I'm willing to jeopardize this fight with with Nate Diaz. So uh, he blamed the doctors. Um, Joe Rogan, to his credit, by the way, really kind of grilled uh, Shamayev after uh, during the post fight interview. Rogan was asked multiple times, like, uh, could, "What happened with the weight cut?" Um, uh, uh, and then you know Shamayev blamed the doctors. He's like, "Okay, do you still think you can make 170?" Um, and then Shamayev was insistent. Or do you still think you can compete in two? So maybe I don't know. People were annoyed by Rogan asking the question more than once, but I thought for once Rogan actually did a really good job with that. So uh, I will I give him credit for that. Because um, yeah, Rogan. yeah, that was that was a good job. Yeah. It, it was it was what we all wanted to know. Does this guy he also really really good with him? Nate? Like I yes. I thought he was yes. awful on commentary because I think he is really yeah, bad that. on commentary it's forever. In my commentary, but he was really good in his post fights. Like it was he the was. best he's been in a really long time in his post fights. So shouts mm-hmm. to him. Yep, de- definitely, definitely give him credit for that. Um, he actually has always kind of been good with interviewing fighters. To be honest, we can object to a lot of things about Joe Rogan's act, but uh, interviewing fighters, he's pretty solid at it. I'd, I'd say it's one of his strengths for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy with Shmaya missing weight. Uh, I'm not happy with uh, him. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, f everybody, middle fingers to everybody. If he's leaning leaning into the heel act, great. But he did the most important thing he had to do this week, which was he won his fight and just disgustingly emphatic fashion um that was the one thing we were all saying like yo this act is fine but if you don't take care of business on fight night this heat is going to turn to go away heat i think with this win he's still now he has that i'm going to pay money i want to see this guy lose heat and uh in this business in the combat sports business 
that's just as good, if not better, than being like an actually beloved fighter. People paying money to want to see you to lose can take you uh, to want to see you lose can take you a long way. Can we debate uh, the, that for a second? About I've heard that a lot, and I'm mm-hmm. not like genuinely and please correct me if you guys have someone that i'm not thinking of because genuinely the only person i know who has pulled that off is floyd mayweather i can't think of an mma star that people like hated that they bought to watch get killed it is always people loved ronda rousey people love conor mcgregor i think there was elements of rousey and mcgregor where they had they were they had the best of both worlds they had insane fandom they also had people who want to pay money to possibly see them lose I'm not. I'm not nearly as confident that that has ever moved the needle in MMA. I honestly really think Floyd Mayweather is like one of the very few people who's ever pulled off his entire thing being hate watching. Like, yeah, I mean, I, just, I can't you, you, think of anyone in MMA that like that was their shtick. I think it might work for Shamayev again if he keeps performing like this. He has to keep performing like this, and he also has to be maybe work on his his uh, heel work a little bit. I mean, there's just the, just the whole f everything. Um, not taking account of but like missing weight like by that much is that's a real thing that's not something that you can just overcome so I hope you're right Jed in that because I'm with you I don't see why he can't make 170 again other than the fact that he's friggin enormous. enormous but he's made it he's before multiple, but he's made it before yeah. multiple times so for now we treat this as an aberration but it, it does feel like his future is at 185 possibly 205 um, but I do still want to see him compete at welterweight because I think as you said we're pretty confident he would give Leon Edwards or Kamar Usman. Uh, he would. Hell, he would throw Leon Edwards out of the cage. I don't know that. I'm not. I'm not going that far. I'm not going that far. He would throw that <laughs> man out of the cage. I think Leon is a great fighter, very well rounded. I I would obviously pick Hamzat, but I don't. I'm not willing to he say he's just like annihilate him. Have some respect for the champ. Huh? Kamaru is the one that is interesting just because he's given up one takedown his entire life. I'm also (laughs) not sure that it matters. Like I, I mean, stylistically, definitely, I would, I would like Usman uh, more than Edwards Shemaev. But um, and let's let's be clear, he would have lost to that Gilly from Nate today. Like that was it. The the Nate (laughs) Gilly, Nate Gilly would have buried him. Stop it. Uh, so, but one thing we can say for sure is Shamayev did have to win tonight. To even have a chance of this act working, he had to win tonight. He had to win tonight, and he had to win the way he did. Did anybody – I'll start with you, Jed, because this is a big thing. People have been hitting me up on all different social media for the last two hours probably, making sure that this is discussed on the post-fight show. Jed, did you have any issue with the beginning of that fight? A lot of people were were kind of mad at Hamzat, maybe uh, a fake glove touch of some kind. I was doing two things at once, essentially, so I kind of missed that moment. But then I saw it on social media, and I saw some like different clips of it. I didn't really know how to feel about it, but some people were not happy about how that fight began. Did you have any issue with it at all? I was also doing two things at once, so I certainly didn't notice it in real time. Uh, I mostly don't care about it because the fight starts and you start fist fighting man like i don't they they touched gloves at their at their come together thing at the final announcements or the final instructions like they bumped fists you guys actively are not friends you don't need to do a second glove touch you did it you're square go fight uh also as is all all things ultimately is that's 
Is that the thing? Like that that feels like you're just trying to be mad at him. And there are a host of things to be mad at Hamzat about. So I don't need to fabricate one because whether or not he shot a second early after watching a performance where he literally blanked him. Literally, I cannot stress this enough. Literally hung a trillion on that dude. Uh we, we're going to be like, well, the only reason is because he shot during a fake. No, it just was like, cool. Maybe it's a little dirtbaggy, but like he hangs out with warlords. Like that's much more dirtbaggy. Let's be upset about that. Not about this really dumb thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like, like you said, the biggest thing, why is he even touching gloves uh, the second time? Why? He should have been Jorge Masvidaling that. He should have come out with a flying knee or a spinning back fist, something. He should have come out just trying to take Hamzat's head off. Because just like just like Mazadal did, you know, it was like the idea is, well, I might get taken down anyway, so I may as well go for a high risk maneuver. Like, I'm, if the fight goes past the first minute, I'm probably getting taken down anyway. I may as well just open the fight with some go for broke move. That if I miss, guess what? I get taken down. So what? That's that's going to happen. Um, that's what Holland should have done. Why why go through the glove tap? I don't know. Yeah, it made no sense. He should have come out just trying to take Shamayo's head off. Fight probably ends up the same way. If we're being honest, that's probably another reason why I'm not super. Probably, probably. Yeah. Come that's why, on. That's, that's why I'm not Definitely. invested in this in this, con- this supposed controversy. That like, oh, it's a, he wouldn't have taken him down if uh, if he hadn't surprised him. Come on, come on. Let's be serious. Second hey. thing. Oh, I wanted to add. We have one guy, by the way, Jed. That actually kind of reminds me of Shemaev, and he fought in this card. And I I don't know if we're gonna talk about him more, but that Jalton Almeida. Holy crap! I, I don't mean, know. Maybe. Maybe it's because he doesn't have that kind of explosive ferocity of Shamaya, but he has that same like I'm getting you down, and when you're down, you're dead. Like you're, just, <laughs> holy crap! Like, yes, yeah. The but only, he's in that. He's in that the stage. The issue where, is that he's fighting yeah. awful people. Yeah, but I'm saying that's where Shamaya was. But I mean, that's yeah, where was when he debuted on Fight Island, right? We had, like John. He's Pella, right there, like, right? He he's at the same start. The three and zero start against questionable competition let's see if he can do the same but yeah shamayev is an advanced for to him but like stylistically and how they finish fights in the ground like Ameda's right up there Ameda's a freaking freak i mean he has a lot of potential to be the next big thing mm. i would pick him to be a good chunk of top 10 heavyweights right now and light heavyweights and light heavyweights Pick, pick them. Pick a division. I'm, not, I'm pulling up my rankings right now to see where I'm going to slot this dude. <laughs> at heavyweight. Oh, yeah, he's, he's in heavyweight for Jalton. I mean, I put him I at, heavy, at light around heavyweight there. and he'll just – he will torch all of these human beings light heavy. <laughs> and yeah, he's, most he's a bad of these dude. human beings at heavyweight, yeah. Um, yeah, that dude has a lot of potential to be something very, very similar. Also, not for nothing – Body beautiful, baby. Looks great getting off the bus. First team getting off the bus. So. <laughs> yep. There you go. A uh, couple more things. We'll go to the peeps. We'll go to uh, we'll go to Jed's. I know a lot of you are waiting for the Jed Mishu Social Gloves review. We'll get to that in a moment. But AK, you are a resident robbery reviewer. Oh, yeah. Lee Jing Leung. That poor guy has drawn the short straw in pretty much every scenario this week. And here he is again. Most people feel like, listen, I was watching multiple things because I was doing multiple things tonight. I was covering the BKFC card and watching the UFC at the same time. So did I watch that fight like 100% closely? No, but just judging by the reaction on social media, MA decisions and whatnot, feels like even Dana White said, 
he felt Lee won the fight. Will there be a robbery review for this one? Yeah, I think I have to, but only if only to uh, a spoiler. Uh, if only to like dismiss this like chatter that it was a robbery. Like it wasn't. It was a close fight. If you had it for Li Jinglang, I don't blame you. But that's not a robbery. I don't know how many times I tell people like, <laughs> like a robbery has to be like overwhelming. Like again, there's there's very few actual robberies in UFC history. Diego Sanchez, Ross Pearson, that's a robbery. We're not putting this in the same category there's no minor robberies because by definition a robbery has to be like an egregious and severely missed call the first round in this fight was close it was close i i don't know if people like if you think lee won all three rounds you're insane you're insane daniel rodriguez clearly won the third round shots uh, fired at drake riggs lee jing lang <laughs> clearly won the second round the first round was really, really close. And I will say this is also an example of uh, stats, which I do bring up um, when doing rivalry reviews, but only, again, just to provide every angle. Stats are can be very deceiving because uh, – uh, so Lee, if you thought he won the first round, fine. Uh, significant strikes, 27-20. Dan Rodriguez won the significant strike battle 34-24 in round two. That's actually the biggest deficit of the entire fight. But I don't think anyone should score round two for uh, Rodriguez, though one of the judges did, which is not great. Uh, and then round three, uh, Rodriguez also outstruck Li Jingliang. But again, I would have scored round one for Rodriguez, which Jingliang um, outstruck him in. And I would have scored round two for uh, uh, Li, which uh, Rodriguez outstruck him in. So the stats don't tell the whole story. Um, it was not – Lee was doing more. I could tell as a fight – I was watching the fight and I'm like, oh, okay. I was watching very closely and I'm like, I know why people are scoring for Lee. He's looking smooth in there. He's very quick. He's the more active fighter. He's doing more. Anyone watching the fight is like, oh, he's doing more. Um, Darren Rodriguez has a very methodical style. It wasn't just his fight. If you've seen any of his fights, he's very methodical, super technical. He's one of those guys who he slip, he's slipping punches when it looks like he's getting hit. Um, he's not really getting hit. But if you're only kind of watching – if you're just watching who's busier, oh, 30-27 Lee, he's doing more. If you're watching necessarily who's landing like the cleaner shots, Lee had some for sure. Darren Rodriguez had a lot of clean headshots. And if you look at – Forget significant strike numbers. If you want to think of the stat that matters, um, the headshots, big advantage for Daniel Rodriguez. And headshots are generally regarded as um, being more significant when we're talking about what is uh, what matters when trying to finish a fight. So again, I don't mind people scoring for Lee for sure. That round one could have gone to Lee. Round two, definitely for Lee. There you go. There's your 29-28 score for the leech. But it was a really competitive, uh, very fun fight too. I don't know why the crowd was booing. And uh, if you think it's a robbery, I'm sorry, you don't know what a robbery is. So I will probably do a robbery review if only to remind people like, it's okay. It can be a close fight and you can disagree. That doesn't make – not every fight you disagree with is a robbery. Please, enough, enough. This robbery talk is ridiculous. Well said, AK. Nicely done. Uh, Big shout out to Arini Aldana as well. You know what the problem is? Go ahead. The problem is that MMA fans don't know what a jab looks like. Because nobody has one in the sport. <laughs> yeah. And Daniel Rodriguez was just jabbing the hell out of Lee. Mm-hmm. Like, That's I'm fine if you scored the fight for Lee. Like, I, yeah, for sure. I no am problem totally with in agreement with AK. It can go either way. I actually do think that Rodriguez has an argument to win the second round, though I didn't personally mm-hmm. score it that way for him. I thought he landed the jab a uh, shitload, um, which the numbers apparently backed that up. Whereas I thought Lee was. Lee was swinging a lot harder, but he also was missing a lot harder. I mean, you broke it down well. He did more, but he wasn't as effective, I did not feel, 
But if you scored it for Lee, I have absolutely no problem with that. But like, I just, I think if anyone rewatches it, especially without commentary on, it's just like, oh, yeah, Danny Rodriguez hits him a lot because he has a very good jab. <laughs> and that, that was exactly what it was. Yeah. He, he was landing again. He was landing some really big shots to the head too. Again, people watch the fight again, watch the fight again and watch who's landing uh, the more of the head shots in round one, uh, the cleaner head shots in round one. It, it's Daniel Rodriguez, but um, Lee was doing amazing leg kicks, great work to the body. So he deserves credit for that too. So, um, and, but as Mike said, I, mean, I also think fighting a dude 10 pounds heavier than him. So hell yeah. To you. Sure. Yeah, he deserves but, a lot of credit listen, for a lot of things. As, as Mike said, we all, we wanted Lee Jing Liang to win. We wanted him to get something this week because he was he was going to show up at the press conference in a fine suit and get to show his personality. He's got a great personality. This is a huge stage for him. Um, he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson. He's a lot of fans didn't care about that fight, but Li Jinglang was so enthusiastic. He's like, I get to fight a legend. I get to fight a legend. He was so happy. He was the co-main event. And then within 48 hours, he loses the co-main event spot. He loses his fight with Tony Ferguson. He gets a fight against the guy, as you guys said, almost, I think, like almost nine pounds heavier than him. So I think people watching the fight were all kind of like the fact that he was doing so well. People, you know, it's one of those things. I think that played a huge role. Yeah. Oh, he's doing well. He must be winning. Uh, and you don't want 10 pounds less and he's being very competitive he's yeah i get it the fight. i get it we have narratives we want we have fighters we want to see win i would have been happy to see Li Jingliang win but he didn't like dominate that fight it was it was a super super close fight down rodriguez is a great fighter um and and i thought i thought rodriguez won but there's nothing wrong with scoring it for lee but guys guess what when the fight's that close it's not a robbery it's not how robberies work i was and a little Nate, surprised he did win though i would have just thought that the judges would have more recognized lee what lee was doing because it it looked more impressive so i was a little surprised he got the nod on the cards yeah uh and nate put lee over big at the press conference which was really nice of him even when he was asked about the negotiations he was like i don't think the ufc would have like i don't think it really had a choice i kind of had to fight with where i was at but the one thing he did say is uh they wouldn't they wouldn't let him fight lee jing liang because i think and Nate put him over for the suit and basically said the dude drew the short straw an awful lot this week so uh credit to lee jing liang credit to d-rod go ahead jed can i make a request of you two so tomorrow uh in just a few hours a great program is going to be taking place live on the mma fighting youtube channel called on to the next one uh that both of you gentlemen host I know that traditionally you don't matchmake for losing fighters, but I would love for you to matchmake for the leech for me because we are, we are. Well, we're doing. Oh, it. you are. Don't worry about it. Oh okay. yeah. Then great. Of course. That's all I wanted because he's obviously he getting a good fight. He's not getting a loss fight, you know. So he's getting some. He's getting served something up, and I'd, I'd love to hear what would be a good matchup for him. Yeah, I got I got I got some fun. I got, I have a great one in mind. Just a tremendous one. Thought about it already. I think I, I hit the nail on the head, Jed. I think you're going to be very happy with what I went with. But uh, Arini oh, Aldana. By the way, by, oh, sorry. By the yes, way, Mike, someone just commented. Again. just commented. Oh, uh, Li Jing Lang was also going forward a lot more. Oh, okay, I stand I corrected. Oh, sorry. Oh, he was I going don't even forward think a lot. That's more. true. No, no, I think he was. But yeah, that's how fight because that's how fights are decided. That's how much I decided. 30-24 for Lee. I retract. Yeah, I retract all my. I retract my uh, my breakdown that I just gave of this fight uh, to whoever was that commented. I shouldn't even. I'm sorry. I'm, it's late at night. I shouldn't even acknowledge this, some of these comments. But, yes. Oh yeah, he was coming forward a lot more. That's how fights are scored. So good job. All good right, job, everyone calling it a robbery on that basis. <laughs> let's. All right. Let's let's move forward because I do. <laughs> I want to get to what everybody's here for. Uh, first of all, shout out Rini Aldana. That finish was insane. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see where she goes from there. Johnny Walker, shut up a lot of people, myself included. Uh, Hand up, I was wrong, Johnny. In here as well. <laughs> yep, I think a lot of us are wrong. Uh, John Cavanaugh, I'm so sorry. I don't know that why you blocked me because I've literally never tweeted at you, but I'm sorry I was wrong. You aren't boring and ineffectual Greg Jackson, my bad. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we mentioned Jelton Almeida. Outstanding performance. Dude is an absolute killer. Uh, Chris Barnett, I mean. Come right on, here. we got to talk about Huggy Bear. We got to talk ahead. about Huggy Bear. Wax, wax poetic before we go to the social globe <gasps> review. What a hero. Just what an yes. absolute he- peach of a human being. Like, I don't, I've never, there were like four things that happened in this fight card that I've never seen. I've never seen the UFC take an L like they did with Nate this whole week. I've never seen anybody do a liver kick from the bottom to uh, a heel kick to the liver to get KO. And I have never seen a man whose face stopped working. I'm not trying to be glib about this. Legitimately, when they were talking about like maybe there's a nerve issue, his whole left eye and left side of the face really appeared to no longer function. And I am astonished the doctor let him fight. I thought for certain that that was going to be done. And then he was just like, that's ah, cool. I'm still going to win. It was inc- – and then gave one of the best post-fight speeches in history. Again, un- and it's not like he even said anything all that spe- – it wasn't like an iconic my balls is hot or Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I worked for. Like it was just the, sort of the traditional uh, respect to my opponent. Jake's great guy. Love you, fans. But the way he does everything is with, with his full heart, and it makes you believe in him and yourself and in good things happening. Like at the end of that speech, I would have run through a wall for that dude. And I feel like I wasn't in the arena, but I'd be really shocked if the entire arena wasn't with me for that. So Kirby Smart, my man's you know Georgia boy, let's get him on game day for the SEC championship bring him in before the game, get the troops fired up because that dude is a light of life in a way that like nobody in MMA is for damn sure. And very few people are in the world. Like he was just awesome. The whole fight week, I want, I would protect him at all costs, protect Huggy Bear at all costs. I have a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling he will probably be a unanimous wild card pick. On, on to the next one tomorrow. But who knows? I, I think a lot of people will be doing some matchmaking for... I don't want him to ever fight Huggy anybody Bear. good. Never yeah, fight Yeah, that's what I mean. He Bear. might not be a wild card pick because I'm just like, he whatever. Bring back, I don't he care. Bring back Rocky Martinez. Bring back Rocky Martinez. Please. How did they not make happen. that? Oh, my God. How did they not do that? Jesus. Uh, but thank you for bringing Chris Burnett up, Mike, because now, now I'm immediately in a good mood again. I was getting, That whole robbery review discussion got me crusty. I'm happy again. <laughs> I was emotional. Like I was for multiple reasons. Um, I may have, well, hypothetically put a wager on uh, Chris Burnett. I'm not saying I did, but if I were the wagering type, I may have put money on Chris Burnett. I'm not saying I did. So so did I and everyone who listened to No Bets Bard (laughs) and who read my gambling column this week because it was categorically insane that Jake Collier was a minus 400 favorite against anybody. I was like – I like Jake Collier. So, someone in, I did the people know I write the predictions. Someone in the comments was like, uh, "LOL, I, you lost all your credibility or something when you picked Barnett to be Collier." And I'm like, "Is Jake Collier like Francis Ngannou or something? like where did this?" And I like Jake Collier, but like where did this come from? <laughs> that he's like and, and 
of course, as I was watching the fight, like he was, let's be straight. He was beating Chris Barnett's ass in round one. I mean, let's, let's not, let's call it what it is. He was beating Chris Barnett's ass. But once Chris Barnett made it out of the first, I was kind of like, oh, I could feel something brewing. Uh, they probably should have stopped that fight in between rounds. I honest with you, the doctor was literally yeah. holding his eye open. Can you see? Can you hold on? Let me help you. <laughs> let me open up your bruised eye for you. Can you see now? Okay, you're good. The fight can continue. I was like, is that normal? <laughs> just that, is that okay? Uh, but thank God that doctor did what he did and let Chris Burnett continue because we got a magical moment, one of the best moments of the year. Uh, Chris Burnett, yeah, man, dealing with so much, su- such a personal tragedy earlier this year, losing his wife. Um, and the guy is fun and magical under the best circumstances. This was fighting under like a tough circumstance and it was somehow even more, I hope for him, even more rewarding. I hope he's happy. I hope he's finds some peace. Um, and I hope he knows that the joy he brought to the rest of us with the win, the speech, the celebration, the double fisting, the beer after this is why we, this is why you watch combat sports, man. I don't care. Like I said, I don't care about the titles. I don't care about the drama. Just weird, stupid fights like this. And credit to Jake Collier as well, because I thought he did great in this fight. So I love, I love Chris Burnett. I love Jake Collier. There's just great stuff. I'm I'm gonna start crying if I talk about it more. It's so fun. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Speaking of amazing, it is now time for the Jed Bashu social gloves review. Uh real quick, uh for those wondering, BKFC was actually pretty good tonight. It flew by. There were a ton of finishes. Joe Riggs was actually looking real good dropped josh dyer real quick and then there was a head accidental headbutt stopped that fight and then Britton hart put on a freak clinic and became a champion but it was a fun card it went by super fast i enjoyed it i don't think i could say the same for social gloves but jed quick review uh you sure can't say how was it about super fast holy shit man uh this thing literally wrapped up moments before we got on for this like at the same time the ufc presser was wrapping that's when social gloves wrapped up and it was fine um the, uh, let's be real the main event was actually really really fun uh i don't know who austin mcbroom is outside of what i learned for covering this uh the same with an ensign gib but they put on a really fun fight like uh, it was back and forth. Like, honestly, if you guys didn't watch it and it's posted somewhere, it's actively worth your time to go see because it's not super high level, but McBroom is clearly more athletic. He's bigger. He's got some natural advantages, but less skilled. But those advantages carry a lot more weight, especially early on in you know professional fight careers. So he drops Gibb in the first round. He's kind of cruising pretty conveniently. And then he loses the plot because he doesn't have a lot of experience and Gibb hurts him and then Gibb puts the hammer down and I think there were I think there were like five or six knockdowns total in that in the three or four round I guess it was four round fight so honestly really back and forth pretty fun especially given what it was uh all the rest of the fights were bad just straight up uh either just not very good fights to watch even the Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell running back matchup was okay. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty boring to watch because not a lot happens. It is an exhibition bout between two dudes who do not know a lot about boxing. Le'Veon Bell clearly know, knew a little bit more. Uh, and Adrian Peterson did well for a guy who took this up seriously fairly recently and is really athletic, obviously, but 
you know, they, they moved okay. They just don't have the commensurate skills. Uh, Le'Veon Bell does finish the fight with a pretty nice right hand. But other than that, they're mostly just poking and kind of feeling their way through it. Uh, all of the undercard bouts were like, you don't care because they're not even famous people. It was like actual Amy boxers. Um, but they at least delivered some finishes, albeit not the most interesting ones. And then, oh, Nick Young um, didn't fight Blueface and was extremely Nick Young. He honestly, the most Nick Young performance. If you just think of who Nick Young was as a basketball player and pick that up and put that into a boxing ring, you nailed it. He flashed some really good things. He also acted like a total moron and did some horrifically <laughs> bad things. He also then ultimately, because it's an exhibition, all the exhibitions didn't have like official winners and losers. Like Le'Veon Bell didn't actually beat Adrian Peterson, even though he knocked him out because it's an exhibition. Nick Young didn't officially lose, though he functionally just quit the fight and fell through the ropes. Uh and but then at the end of it, like it was the most Nick Young thing ever. He did a good thing, then he got tired and didn't want to do it anymore. And so then he did a bad thing and <laughs> lost. And then in the post fight interview, it was just like, actually, I won. I'm a hero. And <laughs> the most Nick Young way you could possibly go about it. It's like, actually, yeah, I, I'm one and oh, baby. I'll keep, I'll do boxing again. Cool. Let's go. Like it was, it was to a T what that man is about his whole life. And God, I respect you, Swaggy P, because live your truth, baby. So, yeah, honestly, not the worst night of fights. Um, they timed it all really well because all the big fights at the UFC happened before the even the NFL fight. So, like, I didn't really care about the undercard stuff. I could watch that in passing while focusing on the real fight. So it'd be cooler if it didn't finish at 3 a.m. or whatever, but it was fine. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jed Mishu, for the – First, and who knows, maybe uh, the first of a long series of social glove reviews. Oh, I mean, we're going to be in this game for sure. I, this is my corner now. I'm standing on it. You can go to MMAfighting.com, great website, and you can see that Adrian Peterson KO. It is up there. You can also read my live blog of the main event. We've also got main event highlights on MMAfighting.com, great website. So if <laughs> if I tantalize you with my words of, of whatever appeal – Go to MMAfighting.com, great website, and you can see for yourself exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, man. Let's go to the peeps. I'm sure the peeps are just dying to get in here, uh, probably to talk about social gloves. But oh, yeah. uh, let's get into this thing. Let's take a few questions. And I will say, when they do inevitably do an instant give versus like Jake Paul or whatever, that's actually going to be like pretty good bad boxing. Because both of them have some skills. Jake Paul is much bigger than him, but oh, and shouts to Austin McBroom. Is that dude can't box for shit? But he continued to get up after getting floored, actually four or five times. He kept trying to fight. Cannot question the man's heart. Can question his corner for allowing that to happen to him a bunch, though. That was really, really bad. And uh, let me, by the way, let me, sorry, not to just going completely uh, off topic before we get to questions. Let me just say so far, uh, guys, this show, I'm glad I was able to hop on because uh, it has been a pleasure, man. Let me just say it has nice. been a pleasure. Way man. to go. Before, before I forget to mention it, it's been a pleasure, man. Shout, shout out to Anton Takali. Um, if that feels like two shows ago that we were talking about uh, the pleasure, <laughs> man, but I, 
I was gonna, I was gonna sign off with this, and I probably still will, but I just wanted to <laughs> oh, yeah. say it before. My Tagali didn't get blanked, so we're clear. Almeida no, he did not. almost blanked him and has blanked two opponents in the UFC this far, but Takali did land one strike. Did Hamza did Hamza even was, were there any strikes even thrown in that fight? Well, let me pull up the officials. I don't think Hamzat even did. Oh, Hamzat officially threw one significant strike that did not land landed <laughs> one total strike of two. So I mean, I'm, I'm not even I'm, confident. I'm spinning, that those I'm spinning this. Are true. I'm, I'm like, Kevin Holland just fought Hamza and didn't get one strike landed on him. That's a great performance from Kevin Holland. He did fight him without getting a strike landed on him. Unfortunately, oh. <laughs> um, he did not win. Well, maybe counting that. Yeah, I mean. Wait, did, I did mean, Damian Maya ever pull that off? I know that was like his his functional dream was to win a fight without ever actually hitting a person. I think he Hamza's did. Done it like three times. When was the last uh, time that's happened? Where like no strike Damian landed in a victory. Uh, it has to be Damian Maya, and I'm about to look it up. Was that Damian Maya? Or, oh, no strikes landed. Or did, did, did Hamza? Or I don't remember a strike being landed. Did, Damian Maya beat one, Lyman. Right? Damian oh. Maya beat Lyman good without landing any strikes. Okay, that's what I thought. I, yeah, I, I know thought. there was one like in the semi recent. I remember. So Hamzat has at least tied that. Did Hamzat when is, when Ronda Hamzat beat tied that. when Ronda beat Kat Singano, was there a strike landed? Or so, you want to strike? Uh, there, had, there had to have been because there was a clash. But I looked that up while we go to the yeah. beeps. I think maybe Ronda. Yeah, let's go to the beeps. Yeah, all right, all right, to the beeps. To the beeps. <sighs> oh no, Katzengano had zero strikes case. Good call. Damn. Also Damn. also strike force challengers, but Sarah uh Delio yeah, yeah, she yeah. had zero strikes landed as well. Interesting. Um shout out to AK first of all. No, hypothetically hypothetically, if I were gambling, I would have bet on Barnett to win. And Daniel Rodriguez to win by decision, but I Never don't gamble. Never proud of anything I've ever. Done but I don't life. gamble. So these are strictly hypotheticals. So how much did you hypothetically win tonight? <laughs> I mean, I just came out of the positive. Let's put it that way. Hypothetically. Wow. wow. Hypothetically positive is all you're ever looking for, baby. <laughs> that was my uh, Joe Rogan question. Uh, actually, maybe the most as far as. Uh, title shots probably the most important fight of the night um uh i'll ask you about this jed because ak and i will talk about this tomorrow uh i sort of mentioned on the i have an idea for arena it will not be amanda nunez next um but what do you think jed are we doing aldana nunez but yeah i don't think so either i mean i are we treating this as featherweight is that their general plan like i don't Maybe if Nunes just wants to fight her featherweight next, I guess Aldana's front and center for that. But, like, Kellen Vieira exists, and Kellen Vieira deserves to fight for the belt. She should certainly be next to the Bantamweight title, and that should be the next for Nunes. Um, and don't mean any disrespect at all to Aldana because great win. Never seen that knockout before. It will be in my final five for KO of the year because anytime you do something that has literally never happened before, you deserve some shine for it. Did she get a bonus? Yes, she did. Yes. Hey, dope. Good. I honestly would not have bet that she would have gotten a bonus for that because it wasn't flashy because it felt weird the way it ended awkwardly, but glad she did. Dope. Uh, she also 
it's the same thing we talk about when I used to do this great uh, article series on MMA fighting called Miss Fist before somebody kicked me out of it. Um, no names named. And we would talk about how all these incredibly dope things happened, uh, not in the UFC as far as finishes and KOs and submissions, but they never made the end of the year list because they happened against nine to fivers at a smoker in the Midwest or whatever. Same thing plays here. Like uh, Danielle Wolf is not a real fist fighter. She was at one point a real boxer and she has one professional, two professional MMA fights now. Uh, and hasn't looked especially good in either of them. So I just – you don't get a title fight off of this one. That's not Aldana's fault certainly, but it's just the way the cookie think, crumbles, especially with Ketlin I think you're getting – wait. I think yeah. you're getting two fights mixed up. Oh, I am. I'm totally getting them mixed yeah. up. <laughs> okay, you're not Dumont. You're oh. not Dumont. Oh, yeah. Man. Also, it's Macy yeah. Chase, and you yeah. don't get shit for beating Macy Chase. And Norma Dumont's oh, not getting wow. a title shot either. Let me Macy, just throw that out there. No, she better She's not. She's not getting a title shot either. Uh, yeah, Macy yeah, Chase just beat Norma Dumont before this. So it's at, like at 45. Totally, <laughs> forgive me. I'm, I'm confident the comments are obliterating me right now. I deserve yeah. it. Come at me. It's also 4 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that one. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I'm not as resolute in my pick yet. I know Mike's already made his for onto the next one, but, uh, yeah, it, the, the other problem is it wasn't just that, um, whatever who she beat or that it was like at a weird catch weight though. Aldana by all accounts was on her way to making at least 136. She, she stopped cutting weight because apparently it was on Jason's side that they were like, oh, we're not going to make That was simply so the fight but, can happen. Yeah. I think Aldana yeah, said, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, they really did them a yeah. courtesy, if anything. Um, but uh, also, just Aldana, unfortunately, has had bad luck getting in the cage. She was supposed to fight GDR, Madison Square Garden, last year. Probably whoever won that fight would have gotten uh, a title fight. Um, you either had GDR Nunes, too, or um, or you would have had Aldana would have gotten the title shot. And then she was supposed to fight Aspen Ladd earlier this year. That wouldn't have been – I don't think that would have been for a title shot, but it would have kept Aldana – if she had won that fight and then won this fight – then maybe we're talking about it, but she's just been out of action. I think it's like 420 something days. So um, she just has no currency whatsoever with the fans, even though she has like a really fun style. And as you Jed so? said, it's oh. not uh, right now. Like your average, like your average fan, the I'm, American I'm fan or in Mexico. I think she's got a little more now. Sure. Yeah. If you want to go she, Mexico, she sure. Multiple, she has multiple yeah. fight bonuses. Um, I would, I'm down for, I want Aldana, I think Aldana definitely deserves a title shot, but if she doesn't get she one, I would love Aldana rematch of Caitlin Vieira. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd like that too. Yeah. She has the resume for it, but it's, it's hard Caitlin when you've just been out, you just been out for a while. Why can't Aldana knocked out Caitlin Vieira? Yeah, but Caitlin Vieira just be a Holly Holm and Misha Tate. Yeah. And I, I didn't, Misha Tate I and I didn't, Holly Holm won, I thought Holly Holm won, but it's, yeah, it's hard I, to get a title I, shot. It's very close, but you beat the two biggest names that aren't Ronda Rousey in, in the history of the division functionally, I guess Nunes. Like you mm-hmm. just that's you she's just getting the title fight. Listen, it's, it's, trust me when I tell you, I'm giving Irene Aldana a great fight. Yeah. A fight she's not going to say no to. I didn't know there were great right fights uh, in the well, Bay division so for her. I think I don't, I for think Aldana her. has I think she's different, yeah. Yeah. Pena, we doing Pena? So here's the here. I don't want I to like tomorrow. have to spoil it. So here's the problem with here's one of the problems with Aldana. So she was white hot in 2019. I think she went three and one, and then 20 she fights once in 2020, loses to Holly Holm, pretty convincing. Uh, she fights once in 2021, TKO of Yana Kuniskaya, but she missed weight pretty, really badly, and now she so far has only fought once in 2022. 
and it was a you know again good very good win against Macy Jackson. But that is a really difficult sell for the fans and for the UFC. Three fights in three years, two look, wins. One of them she missed weight. Look at her resume. She's ruling the roost at 140 pounds because she's got 440 <laughs> pound catch weights and four uh-huh. no. So she is the 140 yes. pound champion. Yes. Screw no all question. this. Let's have a mm-hmm. 165 pound division. Give us a women's 140 because Arena mm-hmm. Aldana, champion <laughs> uncrowned, baby. Dominate. I love Dominate. it. I, love all right. it. I, know, I know two of you gentlemen are going to skip this one, but this is for Mr. Mishu. Uh, this is this is so easy, by the way. But go ahead, Jen. Oh, it's so easy. All right, let me pull up some things. Oh, yeah. to, because this is so not. Easy. I'm sure this is easy. You guys are professionals. Mm. You do this every Sunday. You're the best in the business at it. Uh, Kevin Holland. I think even if you're just not going to throw, like I, I actually haven't thought about it yet. So even without throwing out a specific name, like I, I'm more wondering, like his ceiling is so, it's so clear. I oh. think I just. I, I don't I know. I would do Luke Day. Sure. That's I just like really that. fun. It's just a really fun fight. I don't know if that's like good or bad matchmaking, but there's no way that fight doesn't rule ass. Yeah. I, I my 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 thing more is, is what what's what's the uh, what's the ceiling for Holland because like I just don't think he ever gets to take down defense necessarily and again look it, it not just because it's Shemaev if you not being able to uh, not stop Shemaev takedowns is not an indictment it does not make you the worst guy but I'm talking about at 185 which isn't even featuring the strongest wrestlers of that division um, yeah he was giving up size that's fine but I don't think just cutting down to welterweight solves some of his he, the fundamental problems he has with takedown defense so. I just don't think I just don't That'd think we, we take so little from this fight because he was training for take nothing. Sure. Was, I take nothing. He, he was training for Daniel Rodriguez. Sure. He's also fighting the best welterweight. I just don't think I don't think there's yeah, any I don't think there's any world where he stops Shamayev's takedowns though. I think he could he could have two years to prepare for Shamayev oh. and not stop his takedowns. Oh, yeah, he, that, that, he that's never not this wins issue. that fight. That's not no, but, but, no, that no, fight. what I'm saying is, and we have evidence at 185 that he can't stop takedowns. So I I'm no, just we're talking no we're not, talking welterweight. We're not. Uh, I think I, I think we're, I think we're overhauling that a higher weight class. That's fine, but if we're but I'm just saying like I don't have any evidence that he has any takedown defense whatsoever. No, that's not true. That is not true. He I, has taken down defense. He just I'm was facing. Uh, he was facing a middleweight tonight. That's all. <laughs> I honestly like, he think has, a bigger. I think a bigger issue for him, and this is going to sound a little bit stupid, but I think it's true. Uh, who he is as a person is going to be substantially bigger uh, capper to his ceiling. And what I mean by that is, he wants to fight every other month, and you just can't do that in high level MMA. Like. Donald Cerrone managed to work his way into mm. one I, UFC title fight, but honestly, mm-hmm. I was him high rolling because like if you fight five times a year, you're just gonna catch an L because it's incredibly difficult. You're level, fighting yeah. that many times, whereas one you know, everybody else is fighting twice and they're spending six months gearing up and prepping for you. And it's just like he is never going to want to sit still long enough to to do what I think would be the necessary work to get to a title fight, which I think would be kind of the upper limit of where he could be. And so I think that that's, that's going to hold him back harder than any takedown defense issues may or may not. Yeah. And by the way, good for him. If, if his job oh, yeah. is to make as much money as possible in MMA, Kevin Holland is he's he's doing killing it, man. He's he is doing killing it. it. He's active. He's getting, he was winning bonuses. I mean, this dude has probably made a lot more money in the two or three years he's been in the UFC. Than a lot of fighters have made. Like I don't know. I, I listen to Dana White, and I listen to Dana White's post presser. Oh, this is true. 
I doesn't. I mean, I doesn't tell him. Tell him what. Yeah, tell him what Dana said, true. Casey. Tell him what. They, tell him what Dana said, Casey. It's we had it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all He's know what he, We all know right. what he meant to say. Yeah. yeah. Just. All right. But we know. Is, we know. It, we know what happened. Kevin Holland is doing it right. Like I would, if I was a coach or whatever, I would just tell every fighter fight as often as they will let you. Yeah. Because you get more paychecks and. I genuinely like the most underrated aspect to star making is just visibility, which is mostly like the reason Hamza Shemaev is a star is a lot less because he's blowing the hell out of people than it is he fought three times in a month and everybody knew him because he fought so frequently. Kevin Holland fights a bunch and then also does superhero shit on the side, so everybody knows him. Like, but if you Irene Aldana and you're out for a year or whatever, like that just you can't build like Arnold Allen is one of the five best featherweights in the world and nobody knows who the hell he is because he fights once every 18 months mm-hmm. like you you should be doing the Kevin Holland thing if you're a young fighter maybe it is not the best way to get to a title fight but it's the best way to maximize your value and make the most money in fight sports back to Hamzat Hamzat Uh, if he can make 170 easily, then why didn't he in the biggest fight he's been given to date? And Jed, I'll let you just sort of reiterate what we've been taught. What we've Nobody all sort said of it was easy. Oh, I don't think yeah, he can make it easily at all. I don't. Nobody said it was easy. <laughs> no, it is not easily. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you. Like, and I've said this a million times. I was in Jacksonville covering 273 when Hamza fought Gilbert Burns, and I stood next to this man. I walked in the fighter hotel around to get a to get coffee. And I just happened to like walk for a moment next to Hamza Chemaev. And I was just like, holy shit. If Jose, like I said, like I told Jose this, I'm like, if you told me that this guy was the best light heavyweight in the world and I had no idea who he was, I'd believe you that he was a 205er. And he probably had a cut to get to 205. He's a giant. He is a freaking giant. He's huge. I don't think he could make it easily. I don't. I think he could if he was I, – I think if he amped up the discipline and took it super seriously, I think he could do it. But he's young enough. But those days where he's going to be able to make 170, every day that goes by that his nutrition's not on point, those days are fading away for sure. I don't believe I don't yeah. believe I don't believe he's a watcher right I just don't believe he's a watcher right I think like I Anthony think Johnson never missed actually. never missed weight at, never missed weight at watcher weight he just oh, yeah, he just did. Dist- did he actually miss no, no, weight at watcher weight oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah he consistently no, he definitely, weight. Do I, know oh, I thought, uh, I thought, I thought he just died wrong? every time and then he missed no, 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 he missed he middleweight I thought yeah. but he did, he definitely he definitely blew the middleweight one too yeah yeah no, he's missed. He missed uh, welterweight at least a couple of times. Okay, I agree. but see, here's and really badly, really, really badly, that. by the way, really badly. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing: going back to Jacksonville, he made 170 on the nose for Jacksonville, and he looked fine. He didn't look sucked out. He was in good spirits, even like on the weight cut, because you saw the videos of him and Burns like going to the same sort of place, talking about it. And Hamza was one of the first people on the scale that day. 170 on the nose not 170 and a half not 171 he was 170 on the nose and he looked he didn't look destroyed he wasn't like wobbling in there he walked in full of energy and did it so maybe because jet to jed's point what what we've been talking about since is you and i agree with you he just didn't take nate seriously at all he just cruised in he's like i'm gonna make a big bag and i'm gonna crush this dude and i'm gonna go home but 
But taking Nate not seriously is one thing, but you have to take the weight cut seriously. So I, what, what's right, what, why, why, why do we think why do we think he's gonna? He should have him, though. Why do we think? No, he gets, we're not he's saying he's because we because we have more evidence that he can make the weight than he can make it. He's that he made can. it. He's missed this is the one. first time he's missed the only time multiple times. Yeah, that's the only that's the only. But here's the thing: is I wouldn't be surprised either way if 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 he never fought at 170 again. I wouldn't be surprised if he made 170 for his next fight. I also would not be surprised. So, for sure, like I, 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 like I get the skepticism. People should be very skeptical that he make 170 going forward. I totally understand that, but I'm saying there is a lot of evidence that he can make it. He's made it many, many, many times. I think All he could have right. made 170 this 171 this weekend, like because the part part of weight cutting, like we want weight cutting to be this happy thing where you're not killing yourself. A real part of weight cutting for a lot of the top athletes in the sport is just killing yourself but not dying like i assume i know all of us have i assume many of the people watching have seen the videos of chris cyborg trying to cut to 140 or whatever yeah where it's haunting because she is literally murdering her body that's all it is and it's i mean there's a lot of science to killing yourself but not dying and like i think he probably could have made 170 they didn't let him go any further because like yeah this is where it gets really really unhealthy and he shouldn't do that, but I think he could have made it, and I think that that probably – and he has never missed before. So fool me once, okay, that happens. If this becomes a recurring theme where he misses weight, sure. I do agree with you, Casey. He shouldn't be a welterweight. He is naturally much closer to middleweight, but that's not the game that is played by a this lot of the very top, top fighters in the sport. This is true. It is true. And he's also a very loyal guy to his coaches and his team. So if his coaches say, hey, I don't care what you think, you're a welterweight, then Hamza's going to say, yes, sir, I'm a welterweight, and I'm going to fight at welterweight. If they say, you know what, let's not kill yourself anymore, be a middleweight, you could, you're a win away. Just go up to middleweight. You fight Bobby Knuckles, even though he kind of no-sold that and had a lot of respect for Bobby Knuckles, which I thought was really cool, and it was a very fascinating part of his post-fight scrub. It's a tough fight, man. One win gets him a title shot. One win. Just go up there and fight top five guy. You win, you get a title fight. I'd love to see the Rob Whitaker fight. Fight not Bobby Knuckles. Fight Paulo Costa because that's fine. Probably too. win, and that's a much, much more winnable fight, and still will get you a title shot. Bobby Knuckles is a tough fight for anybody in the world, even Israel Adesanya. Yeah, but yeah, Paulo Costa would be a good one, and that would get him a title fight. And if Paulo in the negotiations with him in the UFC do not go well, since he only has one fight left in this deal, then Hamza can do what he was gonna do for the UFC anyways, but just do it to a different guy. Send him off to the which would, might actually be a good thing for Paulo too, because he can lose to Shemaev and then he can hop on over to PFL and. I would watch the hell out of that fight. God, I would watch yeah. the hell out of that fight. Maybe that's the one. Yeah, it seems so. I think it, the funniest one is Hamza versus Colby, but I would watch the hell out of Hamza versus Paulo. I would watch, yeah. I mean, I'll watch him fight anybody. He's the best fighter in the world. I don't care. <laughs> I guess it really depends on, which we don't really know, but like, how does the UFC brass really feel about Hamza? How do they really feel about it? Because, like, think about think, think this pay-per-view annoying. was set up to smash. Let's go back to the very beginning of the story. This pay-per-view was set up to smash Nate Diaz, and it 180'd on them. So are they mad at him? Are they going to try to punish him? Are they going to force him to go to 85? Or are they just going to go, we'll try 70 again if you screw up? Well, whatever. I guess, and did, I don't you see think- Dana, did you see Dana Scrum? He was just – he was in full – 
bull Durham mode, do its best for the team. Like you could tell he wanted to say a lot of things. That's what I mean. I'm, didn't not, say I'm them. not. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's definitely annoyed. It's all Shema. It's all Hamzad. It's a hundred percent all on him, but he also understands what he has with this mm-hmm. guy that he's just such a monster. And like Jed said, there's at this point, And I thought this in Jacksonville too, even before the Gilbert birds fight, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this guy. I even asked him, like, have you ever seen anything like this? Like we've seen, we've seen meteoric rises in different ways. Like we saw Connor just go up real quick, but he wasn't doing what Hamzat Shemaev is doing. Even like Habib, when he was on his run, was not doing what Hamzat Shemaev is doing right now. This is, this is very unique territory. And I don't think like the UFC really knows how to handle it because it's, it's tough. You have to weigh like the importance of different things because you have a very special talent here. But you, but he comes with a lot of baggage too. So you yeah, got to figure yeah, out baggage what, and it's, yeah, that's 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 yeah, John Jones. the most polite way of he's saying it. John yeah. Jones. He's John Jones. Blonde, John Jones with weight issues. Yeah, and well, he has maybe less of the other substantial yeah, problems just, that John Jones he's, has. You, you move he has, different powers. He has, yeah, he has, yeah, they're different different issues. You you can't trust. You cannot fully trust him for something. So you always need to have a backup plan now. But he's. He's a prize. He's he's a horse. You let him run free. He is a prized colt. You don't put a bridle on that thing. You just let him do. He's a, he's the best fighter in the world. Like, and I don't say that lightly. I think people are being think I'm being like really glib, but like, I there are a handful of fighters that I've watched fight and just been like, yeah, that dude's the best. Like, I very I remember thinking the first time I saw Habib fight Francis Ngannou, uh, John Jones. Like, there are special once in a generation athletes you're just like yeah that dude's a problem i guess he's gonna he's gonna run through everybody and that that's who he is and you can hate him you have all sorts of issues and you can not like him because he's a sociopath yeah that's that also just makes you better at a fighting probably like of the people i listed at least one of them also fits that description and many people (laughs) believe he's the best fighter who has ever fist fought because shockingly, being a lunatic probably makes you better at cage fighting. Who could have imagined? I always joke, me and Esther joke a bit, like, when we meet a fighter and they're really nice, we're like, oh, they're going to lose. Like, that dude's going to suck. Yeah, they're going to suck. Yeah. terrible. <laughs> right there. Jonathan Goulet, great dude. Just awful. Like, it's just how he is. Like, you have to be mean to be an elite level fighter, and if you are an actual psychopath, you're probably going to be awesome. Because your your entire job is to physically and violently hurt humans. That's it. Like, if if you like, feel like AK, you want to see it more. Cool. I totally respect not thinking he's there yet, but this dude's coming, and there ain't nothing going to stop that. Like, it's just this is it. This is the world we're going to live in. Yeah, until he runs into Shafkat. I mean, I can't wait for that trilogy. That is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yep. I just uh, wish the UFC would line that don't up. Don't do it now. Just don't do no, it right no. now. No, that's all three for the belt, baby. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, all right. Uh, oh man. You know, you know they're going to give. You know they're going to get poor Li Jing Liang Shafkat, and that would just uh, break, uh, crush my soul. I don't. Li's got to get something cool. No, nah, I got something. I got something good for Li. Also, Shafkat doesn't want Li. No. Shop, like who, the, shop. who the hell is going to fight that guy? 
Shavkat is going to fight the winner of Bilal Muhammad Sean Brady. Like that's just that's Shavkat because Hamzat's probably getting Colby or a middleweight fight. But yeah, Colby maybe. Don't, or the Colby, loser. don't pick up the phone. I wouldn't pick up the phone for the next six months, Colby. Just pass. I mean, if you're gonna if, if that phone rings now, you probably take it. Because who knows? Maybe he doesn't make the weight. And then maybe he fights somebody else. Pass. Jed, what it, so was, <laughs> what it, what how do we look back at the Burns fight then? Is Dude, that, Burns that, is so much better than I ever gave him credit for. It, is it simply that? Is it? I think that, Burns that really fight, good. I think it's a yeah. tougher style matchup to some extent. I do think a lot of the stuff we've talked about is that Hamza probably fought a little stupid at, at some points, but I think mm-hmm. Burns is just really damn good, man. Like, yeah. and like that he, fight, he I, has the threat of jujitsu, which yes. I think played like a. You don't want to grapple with him because it's real, and so it's like, all right, well, I'll just stand up with him. It's probably better for me, but like. Actually, I probably was not a better choice for Hamza, but a dude's just awesome. Um, I hand up. I've never given that man credit his entire welterweight run. I was wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I was definitely wrong on that one. (laughs) A dude's pretty good. I still think he's a lightweight, but he's damn good. That fight is to Hamza's credit. I know everyone looks at that. I I, I hated the narrative that that Hamza was exposed. Gilbert Burns is one of the top five welterweights in the world. Jed's right. He's probably actually a lightweight, but... Hey, at 170, he put he's he's doing the damn thing. He's and he I came think he's really top. close to being the dude to knock out. Usman. Yeah, really I think close. he's a top, I think he's a top five welterweight. I've been I I've been re, I rewatched the Burns fight and I yeah. I know I'm on the outsider, but I I scored sure. that I scored that fight for Burns sure. against Hamza. But yeah. even 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 scorecard. Yeah, it certainly is. But even uh, even like we want to see guys who will become future champions challenged. That to me is a big deal. So for Shamaya, like if he had trucked him, yeah, look, that would have been great too. I mean, that would have been stunning if he had like beaten Gilbert Burns in like 90 seconds. That would have been even more impressive. But just under that is going three super hard rounds in a really dumb fight with a hard hitter like Burns. Like, uh, that, and like, won. And still and won. won. And, 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 and got away with the win, whether you agree with the score yeah. or not. Officially yeah. was the winner. It's, and showed, it, uh, showed important stuff. Showed yeah, you have to see guys be tested. Yeah, yeah you have to see guys chin, be tested. Showed, yeah, he showed a yeah. lot of stuff. All yeah, the, sure. All the, John Jones, one of his greatest tele-defenses, the first Gustafsson fight. Uh, did people think less of John Jones after the fight? I would hope not. I would think that that, that increased his, like, how, how um, what a great champion people thought he was. So um, there was nothing about the Burns fight that, make, that like, makes me think, like, oh, we're, we're – like we've forgotten it and, and you know just because this performance like no that that was a great fight that i think made told us a lot about uh Shemayev in a mostly positive way and this fight other than missing weight like a jackass uh reinforced that reinforced whatever we thought about his his in cage abilities so um yeah people bring up the burns fight as, a, as like a knock against him is always, always been strange to me yeah uh, that's yeah. not even a knock, but I'm just it just it happened and just you know it's mm-hmm. worth talking about you know yeah. that was a that was actually like in a in a weird way like it wasn't it wasn't him just dump trucking Gilbert Burns, but that was a kind of a terrifying experience for other welterweights because Gilbert Burns was hitting him with I mean he couldn't hit he couldn't hit anybody else cleaner than he hit Hamza Shemaev and Shemaev kept coming that's frightening and i know a lot of people this is not exactly the same but i remember that that last ufc london card when Mohammed mahayev had that performance people were like eh not that great i'm like 
Are you kidding me? Oh, I love if that you're a one twenty five right now. Awesome. That, that is the most terrifying fight you could possibly yeah. watch. I, I, yeah. You got to see this dude on not a great night. Just he's like, OK, if I'm not having a great night, and I'm not really feeling myself. I'm just going to take you down 500 times and there's nothing you could do to stop it. Yeah. When you can win without your fastball, like that's the best thing in the sport. Yeah. Like that's yep. especially for long term. Like Anderson Silva is honestly criminally underrated in the GOAT conversation because of the whole steroid stuff. He didn't have his fastball for his last like four title defenses. And looking back, you can just see like, oh, yeah, he is faded. But he he's getting the off speed game going. And it's like everybody's going to have that fight. Hamza had the fight. I thought same similar stuff like the Cyril gone him new york rick and i had an argument about this in slack it's like <laughs> i'm fading gone i was like why because tui vasa hit it was like yeah i just think a little bit more tui vasa i now know that Cyril gone can get punched in the face with the force of a mac truck and Agreed. not go unconscious i, t- I took that so too I th- that nobody's gonna beat him in this division in two years he's gonna beat yeah. the hell out of every heavyweight that exists so like yeah i'm i'm totally with ak and and case all this is nothing but positives for in these sorts of performances yep and because it is 4 a.m where you gentlemen are our last question will be can mike bench to 75 yet no i'm mixing (laughs) things up right now i did this morning because i was so excited this morning that we weren't getting hamza versus nate and lee versus tony ferguson that i went back and and benched and tried to max and i got to 250 250 i got to today so new new pr on the run i hadn't benched in a couple of weeks covid killed me so you Um, can't bench chris barnett i cannot bench chris you can't even bench a super heavyweight chris barnett what are we doing i could bench you can't bench bench and the pleasure man i could bench the pleasure man anytime now this has been a pleasure man again let me say again this has been this has been a pleasure man it's been no. a pleasure, man. I can't say it enough. You can almost bench. What did you say? Two fifty. I did two fifty today for one, and like you can an almost assist. bench Alatang Al- and, and Chad together. You're close <laughs> in the neighborhood. Just stack them I mean, up. That's, and... that's more than Chris Barnett. I think Super Melly. You could do Super Melly and uh, at least yeah. read easily. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Talk, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Just curling straw weights. Yeah, you can see that. <laughs> it really is a bench. pleasure. It really is a pleasure, man. Great job, AK. Way to way to close Such the show. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure, man. I gotta say. <laughs> That's your new tagline. All right. Well, we are done. Uh we have talked about this card a lot. And AK, I will see you in six hours and fifty minutes, my man. My best friend in the whole wide world matchmaking on to the next one live here on this channel with all of you we want your comments we want your matchmaking ideas we're gonna throw them up on the screen it will probably agree with some of them and no doo-doo just don't do the doo-doo stuff but for ak for casey for jed if you're not no fan you know what i mean i am mike heck good night everybody love you guys listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. 
Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.